the the sheer amount of time that this occupies within my day that I don't mind using for it is absurd. I mean, I am constantly, if I'm not on the mat, I'm looking up what I'm going to do next. I'm watching some kind of instructional. I'm trying to pick apart something that happened, asking these questions. The uh, mentality, right? I would say that it's definitely calmed me down and uh, definitely changed the way that I interact with people on a day-to-day basis. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. And we're getting back to jujitsu. We've been doing horror movie stuff, just talking goofy, goofy things. And I'm just trying to have people back on. So thanks for hanging in there with me. And welcome back. This week, my guest is going to be someone close from home. A lot of times I do some remote recording. You guys may not know that, though. So I'm letting you in on a secret. But My guest this time around is going to be one of my teammates from where I train at at Crazy 88 here in Maryland. And he also coaches our fundamentals class, which helps me a lot because I love fundamentals. That's the shit I'm about because I can't do fancy stuff. I'm 43. I'm old. So I got to do fundamentals. So my guest today is Coach Ronnie. Thank you for being here. Welcome. How you feeling, man? Feeling good. Feeling good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this because it's... It is weird for me doing a podcast, period. It's like, because it's a conversation. This is always just having having talks. So whenever I, I say, hey, you want to be on a podcast? And people are like, what, what, what's it about? I was like, what do I wear? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, do I have to do my hair? Oh, when I do uh, the video, when I do remote, people are like, like, yeah, yeah. Like, people get dolled up. I'm like, I'm not using the video. Right. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Right, this is for me. Right. Like, <laughs> and then, and like, then if it's like, you know, really pretty girls like okay cool not hating it but i'm gonna let you know now you you spent an hour and a half right doing and i'm married relax <laughs> like <laughs> like bring it down just a notch just a notch right. <laughs> um so <laughs> with having uh, ronnie on here with me like i explained to him it's conversational we're just gonna talk i got some questions for him you guys may not notice but i do interview sometimes it sounds kind of shitty but i actually do it i try to at least so uh you know one of the first things i always like to ask all everyone my teammates everyone had uh mahoney and uh chrissy on here same question i gave to them i'm gonna give to you what got you into jujitsu uh well so i wrestled in high school and it generally would brings everybody back you take about five or six years off and no matter how much you hated it at the time that grind that daily grind you start to miss it and uh brazilian jiu-jitsu was the closest thing right out of high school i'd actually given it a try at another gym that i'm not going to name but uh i you know i loved the two months of it that i did i just had to back out due to trade school i do commercial hvac for a living so what ended up happening was I Googled Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the area. And at the time, Ivy Leagues, uh, 
ads were all over the place. If you typed in BJJ, yeah. you were flooded. YouTube, uh, Google, Facebook, everywhere, right? It was all over the place. And the uh, I just happened to come in, and I, yeah, I tried out a couple other schools, but um, started working with uh, Coach Danny Ives, and met you, met some of the other crew, most of which have quit by this point, but I, I stayed hooked. Dude, I think we we might be... Hey, like, that's it. No, it, it's me and you. <laughs> from, oh, from the fundamentals class wow. that I started in. Holy um, shit. Yeah. Because you made blue shortly before I started, and it took me a little less than a year to make blue, but uh, it's me, you, and Kyle. Prescott. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. there. He's still there. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's that's. I never even thought about that. Because there, like flies. there had been this thing. Once we moved to the new location, mm-hmm. the schedule got weird for me, which just kind of made it difficult for me to get in there when I wanted to get in. And then I started kind of, you know, we, you know, the numbers started growing, and I disappeared for a little while and came back. And I was like, there are a lot of new fucking faces. Right. I don't know any of these people. Who, right. Yeah, it was like, who the fuck are these people right. and, and now? You know, it, it, I, there was one one of the classes we were shrimping, uh, doing the line drills, and one of the white belts. I, I shrimp slow because I'm trying to do the shit right. Uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not trying to race. I'm trying to make sure that my shrimping is effective. And I heard him. He was like three people back, maybe two or three people back, and he made some sort of noise because we were going slow. And I, I said, I was like, excuse you. You know, like looking, I don't know if he knew. I remember that. I don't know if he knew it was towards him, but I'm like, like, no, don't like, it's not because I'm a blue belt. It's more because bitch, like. Right. Who asked you? I I didn't ask. This is my home. Right. Like you're my guest right now, but I've been in these streets. (laughs) But yeah, that's wild. Now it's like even thinking with all the new faces there. Yeah. And not even connected. Wow. Okay. It's us three. Um, Epps kind of came on a little, because he, he was at the old gym. Yeah. I think that's really it. If I So, right. So, if we, well, we as far as like our like non-white belts. So, when I started, <clears throat> and of the people that are still there, we still got C.H., Chris yeah. Hogg, Kyle Rock, Brandon Epps, who just took second at Masters Worlds. Big uh, shout outs. I've been... I've been <laughs> I've been shamelessly plugging that one for <clears throat> anyone that will listen. Uh, I'm super proud of the guy. Yeah. Um, Sonia is training. My fiance Sarah, is training. Uh, Wayne. Wayne. Wayne has been a constant. Kyle uh, Prescott. Let's see here. Keep in mind, this is probably out of about 50 people that I knew at the time that were just, you know, yeah. and I think back that... and forth. Ryan Johnson, Naomi, you know, they're still in it. I think that also, and I'm also thinking about too our Muay Thai program. It's like not that I knew a lot of the faces there, but there's I was, no one. It's all different people now. I see yeah. one face that's familiar, one, yeah. and I'm like, "Jeez, Louise!" So, you know, but that's how, that's that's the the game though. Is this isn't just you know, right? The guy that comes off the street says, "Hey, I want to go in here and grapple," and then suddenly. Right. Think. Or the, the, the most common, I want to be an MMA fighter. <laughs> Do you? 
does six months of training, goes into sparring, gets punched in the face one time, says this isn't for me. I clink shins with somebody doing uh, Muay Thai, and it was accidental. It wasn't even like it was intentional. It was accidental. Nope. I, I left. I, I, walk, I, right? I went to one more, <laughs> and I was like, Mm-mm, nope, not doing that. And I felt it. I think I felt, what, three weeks? Like, and I was doing that because I had the separated ribs. So I was like, right. well, let me do something. And I was like, I'd rather just take my chances with this rib in jiu-jitsu. I'm not, I'm not fucking around with this anymore. The, the new fat kid who's laying on top of me feels better than one kick to the shins. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, directly on the rib too. Like, I'll, go ahead, knee on belly right there. Just put that knee in the rib. Oh, but yeah. that shin, mm-mm, nope. Didn't want none of it. And... Uh, who was it? I think it was Colin. I think it was, yeah, Colin who did it. Who was in Muay Thai. He came to Jiu-Jitsu a couple times, but I think he was more of a striker. Yeah. I was like, not feeling it. He was like, I don't want to roll around on the floor with some dudes. I was like, I don't want to get kicked in the shin. Did we just become best friends? I fucking think we did. Right. So, <clears throat> so with getting into Jiu-Jitsu... And, and kind of coming about, especially coming from wrestling, mm-hmm. like what what have been some of the bigger struggles coming in from as being a wrestler? <laughs> the same. This uh, pretty much all of us have the exact same issue. When they yell "pull guard," you look at them like they're absolutely incre- like insane because all that guard stuff looks really cool, but you spent years training yourself to never go to your back, and now it's preferred. And it's it still feels weird sometimes. Um, I know that even up to blue belt. I mean, we have competitors now that were wrestlers that they may be uncomfortable. The other super uncomfortable situations for wrestlers involve gripping with the gi when they first come in because you know again for years the tie ups are similar to wrestling and their configuration. However, uh, in no-gi or wrestling, very few times can you just put your hand on somebody, one hand on somebody, and completely stop their takedown game. In the gi, if it's all wrestling and you don't know how to break grips and they get the right set of grips, you're not taking them down. You're not getting close to the legs. You can shoot all day long. It's not going to happen. Something I learned the hard way. Uh, <clears throat> one thing that baffled me with you was once you you pulled guard on me once and I knew this is a different world like this is a different Ronnie because I remember before rolling with you I liked the like like we're in their button heads we're like like just two rams just going it was like I'm losing most of those exchanges but it was it, for me it was like because me getting into jiu-jitsu I'm coming from a football background, and I just I just want to be rough and tumble. Just lock heads. They're like, there's no finesse. What the fuck is that? Like, right. And then, so me and Huggy, anytime I got to roll Huggy, that it was that was playtime. I just had a blast because it was just the like, anything goes. Oh yeah. And then once you came, there was like, there's another one. Yes, anything goes. And then it, I always say this on here about me with jujitsu for the longest time. I was just grappling. I didn't know jiu-jitsu. I was just there playing. Once I figured out I don't know jiu-jitsu, then I embraced it. And I think 
the moment I saw you embraced it, it was when you pulled guard. And I was like, what the fuck did he just do? And and not just pulled guard, but then swept me. And I was like, okay, no, hold the fuck up. Yeah, no, that was the the big commitment was during COVID. A lot of people weren't training. It never really stopped. So I was able to continue working where other people's games weren't really moving forward, mainly because, you know, we couldn't invite everybody back. Like You just didn't know. Um, you know, went real quick from, uh, you know, my freedoms to <laughs> show me your papers really fast and... You know, uh, fucked up. I don't even know where my papers are. (laughs) (laughs) They ask. That's what I'm I'm saying. But that was the big thing is I got hurt. And they pretty much told me, uh, Master Julius and uh, Coach Keith over at what was at the time still, you know, the original Crazy 88 was, uh, you know, they had been screaming at me, pull guard, pull guard, pull guard. I didn't know any guard. So I thought I knew how to wrestle. I'm not a very high-level wrestler, but, you know, I'm stubborn. So it, it's been kind of working. Like most wrestlers. Right, like most wrestlers, right, hardhead. And I finally I got hurt, and that's what they told me was going to happen. They said, you won't commit to this until you have to. You'll either quit or you're going to commit to something else. I was like, okay, well, I'm damn sure not going to quit. Uh, you know, hey, hey, Keith, what's this lasso about? It's pretty pretty much what I asked him. I spent about six months just working lasso and mainly lasso, and that that was my main baby there for a while, especially coming out of COVID. Um, I've since moved some other things into my game, but I think that's definitely my favorite at this point. Be lasso guard. That's when I, I think right before I went to Blue, Danny had me working lasso, all fucking almost nonstop. Because at that time, with the morning class especially, but mm-hmm. uh, I could stay after. Right. So, stay after, go down to the Aerodyne bike, which a lot of people hate it. I loved it, and I miss it. I miss. I bought one. <laughs> I, I, I was looking at one, but then I realized, I was like, am I going to really, like, I think part of what it was was that it was like, all right, Dante, Naomi, downstairs. And I knew what time it was. It's like, all right, cool. All right, hop on the Aerodyne bike and just go. But it, it was between doing that and doing lasso, just nonstop lasso. I mean, I, I guess that's the, the path. You know, yeah. that's that's the, it's like, all right, well, look, learn this fucking lasso. Embrace that shit. And, I mean, I know at our gym, you know, when you see competitions, you see people going with it, it works. So, that's, I always tell my friends, and it's not me, like, trying to sell. It's like, look, I think that our gym is the best jiu-jitsu school in Maryland. And then Coach Mark was like, well, <laughs> he listed one other, um, which makes sense. It makes sense that it's, you know, within within the family. And I was yeah. like, I was like, ah, well, I don't count them. That's MMA, right? <laughs> they got motherfuckers in the UFC. No, 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 no. I'm not counting them. But then it's like, well, we got motherfuckers in the UFC. So, all right, well, all right. If you want to play that game, yeah, you're right. But on yeah. this side of Maryland, oh yeah, right. It, it's definitely <clears throat> funny how your who your coach is uh, will definitely sway the way that your your game 
No, it's because, uh, I mean, Coach Keith is a lasso guy. I mean, not to say that it's limited strictly to lasso. The guy beats my ass with just about every guard that there is. Uh, you pick, he'll sweep me. However, uh, I think if he had to pick, that would be what he'd be known for. And with the training under Danny Ives when I first came in, uh, the first guard I learned how to play anything with was half guard. So now i am got a weird split between running between half guard and lasso and my two places where I'm most comfortable, which is a far cry from when I first came in. When I went to my back, I'd just lock people up in close guard and lock my ankles as, as hard as I possibly could. And that was five minutes, you know. And then by the end of the night, the, my legs are just wrecked because that's all I did. So I just locked people down and... Yeah. You know, I'm getting pretty good at this jujitsu thing until I found out that, you know, there were people who were actually good at this and it didn't matter how hard I locked up my legs, they were out. Yeah, that, that think that's same here. I did the same exact thing. I was like, oh, let me go ahead and lock them up. Guess what? You know, I get out of my guard. I remember before I actually went to Ivy League, I'd gone to a school in Columbia and I did the trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, 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 there were a few nice guys there. I think most most of the gym was under the ideal, like everyone there wanted to be the next UFC champ. Of course. And I know my week there was like basically like, hey, you're the new guy, fuck off. It was like, not that they said that exactly, but that's the impression that I got. Like, right. Hardly anyone was working with me, helping me. So one guy did. It was really cool. I saw him at the Shogun fights a couple years later. And thank them because it was like, you know, if it wasn't for that dude, I would have just been like, "Fuck this, this right, shit is this dumb." Whole thing, yeah. All you, all y'all are meatheads, and uh, you know, ho- I ho- latent homosexual tendencies, <laughs> <laughs> laying in between each other's legs. <laughs> fucking. Um, but I remember we did King of the Hill there, mm-hmm. and somehow I passed the guard. I think it was another new guy. Just dove past. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. I just like, fuck these legs. It <laughs> just got past the legs. So now I'm down. And I got someone in my guard. I didn't know what the fuck to do from there. This is this is night number two. I know nothing. Right. So I just locked my legs as hard as I could. And eventually the dude, he was also a new guy. He figured out, just stand up. And he just walked forward and rolled me over. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. guess that's one way of getting out of it, but won't do that shit again, bitch. Yeah, my, my progression in the sport <clears throat> definitely went uh, under Coach Danny. Uh, I was working with him a lot after class because, I, I mean, I told him night one, I was like, competition is the goal. I, I want to get back to fighting other people. Like, I'm not, I'm not much of a casual hobbyist when it comes to anything that I do. When I started weightlifting outside of high school. You know, I went and did competition. When it came to jujitsu, you know, it was, all right, when's the first competition I can do, right? And he pushed me back to, I think I was six months in with my, no, I was four months in when I did my first competition. And by, again, sheer takedown ability, I was able to pull second in my competition uh, came back, felt good about myself. Then we started moving into what is still my favorite, but like over underpassing. 
right? I went from my game at the time, which is completely different now aside from the over-under, was half guard to deep half to over-under pass and into side control to the bread cutter. It was the only thing I knew how to do all the way to the end of white belt. I mean, to the point where I had to think about which side I was locking my triangle up the day that I got promoted to to blue belt. Because I remember everybody... When you get promoted, everybody comes after you like you're the, uh, you know, the most recent title winner. Did you get promoted at after class or before? Like at the beginning or at the end of class? At the end of class, and there were still rounds to do. And he put us on the wall. And I had just gotten back from Houston, so we had we went to the IBJJF in Houston like a week before Maryland got shut down. And I was able to win. I won my three fights to to gold. I come back. I got promoted. And these guys, uh, they were, I thought I knew everybody's game. That that wasn't true. Come to find out, uh, hold back a little bit, or maybe the aggression wasn't there. It was, I had a target on my back for approximately 35 minutes after I got promoted. When I got promoted, it was at the very beginning of the class. And everybody's clapping. And the only thing I'm thinking is, you motherfuckers are coming. Yeah. E- everyone. It didn't matter. Every every single one of them. Then we did King of the Hill. Uh-huh. And it was like... And you're down. Yeah. Yeah. And and not only that, not only am I down, I got passed. I got left down. It's like, nope, just stay in there. Huh? Right. That's not how this works. <laughs> it's not the rule set that I came up under. Right? It's like, yeah, once you get that blue, it's like, okay. It's cool. You're doing great at white. But guess what? Now we're just going to fuck you up. and right, Kid gloves are off. It's <laughs> it, bare knuckle boxing now. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, though, too. That's, that's, I think, a good thing to know. That once you're, you know, once you have them all come at you like that, you're still kind of holding your own, and now you're growing with it. You know, that's, that's the embracing of jiu-jitsu and knowing, like, yeah, I do belong here. Versus, oh, you're blue belt. Cool, we're all going to fuck you up. And you're like, I don't know if I'm really ready for this. Yeah. It's like. That was like the complete difference in competition. Of the very first grappling industries they held in Maryland right after, I say after COVID, but basically when uh, the powers that be allowed us to start living some semblance of a normal life, uh, we went and everything was going fine until I, I got launched because, again, stubborn. The whole point was to go and pull guard, and I got thrown through the air, and I blew my right knee out. And I still had a whole nother match to do, and because Mama didn't raise a bitch, I went out and fought that match. And I was able to win my last match, but by the end of the night, my knee had swollen up so bad that I couldn't bend my leg. Someone else had to actually drive my car home that night, and... Uh, that was the big committal to guard. So my, my recommendation for anybody who uh, is getting into the sport and has some kind of hesitance towards pulling guard or getting comfortable on your back, sooner or later you're going to have to do it. So just do it now. You, and you're going to lose. It's fine. You are going to get the brakes beat off of you for months. You know, And then all of a sudden it just kind of flips. And the guy who was beating the brakes off of you last week is now on his back and you coming up in a passing position. But guess what you didn't work while you were playing guard? You're passing. Yeah. I mean, 
That that makes sense though. Just when people, you know, you have this thing where people kind of have this ideal of I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to do one thing, and then you overlook another thing. You know, it's like a ladder. You just you climb in the rungs, one thing after another. Mm-hmm. Now going over what was some of the more difficult things transition from wrestling into jiu-jitsu for you what are some of the things that you've enjoyed coming into this sport so one of my absolute passions in life is coaching uh both kids and adults i uh, absolutely love helping other people get better and uh the role that i get to play in the development of people entering and moving through the sport uh is just I don't think it really gets any better than that. I'm actually moving towards quitting my job to do this full time just because it's just the next natural progression. I just want to continue to develop my coaching ability and my technical knowledge. So between myself and my fiance, we're able to make that work. But uh, one thing that I've also noticed while coaching other people is that when you're coaching other people, you have to start bringing in other parts of the game that you didn't look into before. So, like we had talked about guard and passing and everything else, my my game is very strength-based, even when I hit everything smooth, right? Half guard, deep half, over-under passing, everything is still in my game very strength-oriented, right? One thing that you can't do for when you keep coaching kids, it doesn't matter what level they are, you cannot give them a strength-oriented game. It doesn't matter how strong the kid actually is. You know, they they don't have their balance. They don't have, I mean, adults barely have their balance. Yeah, I was just about to say, some of us don't have their balance. <laughs> right? It's hard enough with adults. That's a fully formed human being. You know, these people are still growing every day. So you have to start getting into what we call kid jujitsu, which is stuff that they're they're more flexible and less way less on the strength scale than most adults. So you have to start you'll have to reword how I put that. Uh just not as strong as an adult. And you can't teach over under passing to most kids you can't teach half guard to most kids they end up in half guard for sure right but and there are times that you wish you could tell a kid go deep half when things just aren't going well there's a time and place however it just you have a very hard time it's going to be the exception more than the rule as to making it a kid's game right now of course you get that 13 year old who's 180 pounds damn near a grown man maybe you can teach him a little bit of stuff. But the biggest problem with that person is rarely do they have balance. Do they understand how to move someone else's body that way? So you start getting into more like knee cut, loose passing, bullfight type passing, right? Toriando passing where you're playing with the knees. It really made me open my game and dig into how these techniques work because also as I'm, I'm a relatively athletic person so i can bridge the gap with i would say arguably less technique than the next person and get the same result sure. 
just because I'm either moving really fast or because I'm 215 pounds now. But when I started in the sport, I was 270 pounds and I didn't move any slower. So we were I'm in that same range, right, just, just just different big, body moves, right? Just, just big, <laughs> right? You can't teach a kid to move like that. So you have to round out their game in a way that's going to work for them, and that has really had to open my mind up to just completely different locations and mile marks in the sport. You know, I was never one to really shoot a triangle. Well, guess what you're going to have to teach a child? (laughs) You have to teach them how to do a push-pull triangle. You have to teach them how to open the guard up correctly because they all want to open the guard from the knees. Yeah. Every single one of them. And with the arm back and everything. With the like, arm back and everything, just, right? Just Hence why we're shooting like, that triangle, right? Most walking adults, into the triangle. Right. After white belt, most adults aren't trying that one. A kid will live and die by that damn guard opening. And it worked this one time. Yeah, I'm sure it did. That kid was one day into the sport. Congratulations. The other 12 times it didn't work. Right. Go over to the gray belt or the yellow belt over there real quick. Does yeah. it work? I. But it could. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I went up to philly we one of our kids went up for a competition it was just the one just the one kid so i was like okay fun times I, I i guess my name got drawn out of hat all right i'll make that run and he ended up in half guard bottom half guard it's fucking nightmare for i know it was a nightmare for him nightmare for me because i didn't know what the fuck to tell this kid I knew where to go. <laughs> it's like playing a video game without the controller. Yeah. And I was like. <laughs> you know how to get the 12 button combo for the finish in Mortal Kombat. However. I mean, he actually. So I kind of walked him to deep half. I didn't have a plan from there, but he ended up like kind of poking out from behind and then getting back up. He still lost on points, but it was like, right. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, it, you know, it was it was no gi, so I was like, "All right, we like we got to recover from this. Right. So you got a gi match coming up. I think we've got to figure something out. Uh, gi much better. Like grips and everything changed the game for him. It, like he finished second. Okay, good. <laughs> but like, yeah, what you're saying with the half guard for kids, it, I mean. It's a different thing. It's just different for adults versus kids. A lot of it. Like you say, kid jitsu. It's, it is a thing. And, you know, no matter what people may think, you know, you got your 11-year-olds, your 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds. Yes, they're growing. And they're, you know, they're moving to the next level. But they're still not quite there. So, you know, just it's the same with teaching, period, as, as a school teacher. You know, just because you know it this way doesn't mean they're going to learn it this way. You have to teach how they learn. Yeah, you have to learn how to get that that same information to 10 different people who learn 10 different ways. How to convey that information across the board to most people instead of, you know, people similar to you. Yeah, I mean, factoring in body types too. Like you said, you know, you're a 215-pound man. Versus a probably eighty some pound child, they're gonna have a different game for sure. Right, rolling through guard retention again. When I first started teaching kids, I was two hundred and forty pounds. Trying to teach a kid to invert was something that like 
gave me anxiety because then I had to think about it. And I was like, man, I'm, I've got this gut in front of me that is actually kind of stopping me from hitting a full inversion. And the way that my hip was hurt at the time, I was like, hmm, well, I'm going to have to verbally describe how to do this. And this is just something I've been doing forever. When you have to break it down into words as to how you're going to apply a movement, uh, that is a new world. And, and just think about inverting always gives me anxiety. Just anytime the thought of inverting comes into play, it's like, you want me to do what? No, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, I, I'll invert on accident a lot. But if, if I consciously think, okay, let me go ahead and try to hit this, you know, omoplata, you know, mm-mm, nah, not that Oh, way. I love it now. It's one of my favorite things to do, especially in my weight class. Well, well yeah. <laughs> You're mad as hell. Because they're not <laughs> expecting that. And as soon as it happens, yeah, I, I could just imagine. They're like, this mother... Did he just... It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, your shoulder. You might want to worry about the shoulder. Don't worry about what he just did. <laughs> like, your shit's about right. to pop out. Right. That omoplata is going to suck. <laughs> like, I love if I'm able to get the omoplata, you know... Off like a, you know, triangle or something, you know, it's like, okay, I can, it's not as much of a full, like, invert. It's like, okay, if I get it from there, I love it on Plata. Those things are fucking funsies. That was the, that was the thing, we were circling back to learning out of necessity, right, as I'm rolling through all this lasso stuff from Coach Keith. I was like, okay, so what do we do when they hunker down because every big guy tries to do the same damn thing to me and I can't ever get this stuff on the feet? He goes... Omoplata sweep. Like, well, do what? He goes, just invert underneath. You'd be all right. <laughs> what? Super casual. I say, okay. Guys, we're we're going to try this. And he realizes I'm a blue belt who barely knows how to invert. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I could just see his eyes just like... <laughs> Dude, I wish there was a video of Take that. Take a step back. Right? <laughs> that man is a saint. He's had a lot of patience with me and my, uh, I would say, below, subpar bottom game here. But uh, it's just part of that journey in jiu-jitsu. You know, mm-hmm. it's at a certain level, you can only uh, run from your problems or what your deficiencies okay. about for so long. And uh, coupled with that and injuries... Basically, you, you either learn to become well-rounded or your body's going to schedule it for you. You know, If you're a takedown guy like I was, mainly, and which keep in mind, when I say takedown guy, I was not a high-level wrestler. It's just what I came in with, and that's what I stuck with. So all of a sudden, now when your right knee is blown out and they're routinely removing liquid from your knee and you can't take shots anymore... And your judo is non-existent at best. Guess where you're going? I had to learn how to pull to the other side. I mean, it was all of my guard at this point is on my non-dominant side, which is absolutely hilarious. That's also another thing that you have to learn in jiu-jitsu that I'm still trying to work through in my own mind is, you know, learning on both sides. Because I was always told, do it on your dominant side first get it right there and then go to the other side but the problem with that at least for me is i'm always going to stay to that side then yeah it's like unless i'm forced to the other side so you want to 
talk about the injury or yeah yeah, yeah we can so as you mentioned with the knee and everything and that happened back at the grappling industries in maryland uh last it was in 2020 when it happened and i'm just now getting surgery on it here in december um basically i got whipped around we both somehow came down on my right knee and i felt everything pop and i continued the rest of the match like an idiot and uh the guy started on my back, went for a clock choke. Mm-hmm. I went to try to push off of that leg to roll, try to roll through, and uh, just immediately went to tap out because as soon as I went to put pressure on that knee, I could tell that uh, we were going to be wrecked from there out. And I finished the rest of that tournament. I had one more match. I was supposed to do no gi, and I ended up bowing out of that by one more match that I ended up having to, like, hop on one leg out to go shake the man's hand and I was able to throw that guy on one leg <laughs> and come in for the finish but uh yeah I ended up really messing that knee up and not taking the time I went to the doctors I was told that everything was going to be fine with the knee they removed the liquid we'll come to find out everything wasn't right with the knee and I ended up having to go to another doctor, and she said, well, uh, you know, we could, at this point, surgery is basically going to have to happen. When do you want to schedule it? And, you know, of course, anytime you get a a surgical recommendation, if, if you don't get a second opinion or a third opinion, you're an idiot. Because once they cut in, it's never exactly the same. At least that's my experience. And... Um, I ended up coming right back to this woman uh, who's going to be operating on my knee, but uh, everybody basically said the exact same thing. said, you know, had your doctor caught what was going on earlier, he could have recommended that you stop, and it wouldn't have gotten worse because basically my meniscus has, like, started pulling out of my knee, and a cyst formed with some of the liquid that they weren't able to get to, which... None of that's their fault, however. Well, the thing, too, with injuries, you know, them catching early and telling you to, to slow down, that becomes then a question of even if the doctor recommends slowing down, would you have slowed down? I, I know. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. There's no way. I'm, I'm dumb when it comes to – I am a complete hypocrite when it comes to coaching versus my actual – upkeep of my body um i eat healthy again i've come down from 270 it's the third time in my life i've gone from almost 300 pounds to 210 215 pounds i sit right about where i would need to weigh in for super heavy for IBJJF, which i mean as of now i've committed to competing at heavyweight so i got a little bit more i gotta lose to walk around at that weight but i'm within basically gi cutting weight so i you know Cut five, ten pounds, a little bit of water, and we'll be right in it. But I'm real quick to tell my athletes, hey, let's back out. I just told a girl the other day, hey, let's back out. There's a tournament in January. I'm not worried about it. Uh, let's wait for your doctor to get the results for this test back, and then you can find out what kind of 
you know, where we move from here, right? Myself, hey, Ronnie, we really recommend that you don't go and compete in two weeks against a judo black belt and the double gold champion of the Pan Ams. Uh, what? No, I'm going. <laughs> it's like everything that they said there just made it more attractive now. It's like, yep. wait, double gold, judo, pan. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it, it's... I'm, I'm the same way. Is you tell me don't do it when I separated my rib. <coughs> the only the doctor was like, "Oh, you'll be fine in two weeks." That was the only time where I was like, "I, I think I'm going to go ahead and take a little bit more time because I don't think two weeks is going to heal this." Yeah. But like with my hip, like, "Oh no, 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 you should take some time off. Take these muscle relaxers." I took the muscle relaxers. I didn't take time off. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel great. <laughs> I got a kid right now that um, we've got a nice size up and coming teen squad and I'm doing battle with them right now in the way that I've got one that's just she trains every single day she's doing exactly what she she's supposed to be doing except for she's got injuries from a previous sport that never really healed right and yada 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 and her having that battle of okay well you don't have to do the takedowns I know it's takedown month but you don't have to do them you can work this over here in the corner with this person and it's perfectly fine I walk away she's working clothes guard I come back she's working the takedowns we were supposed to be in class and on one hand I'm like you know at least her work ethic is there you know she she wants to learn and then I'm just like man I feel like a complete hypocrite because I'll be doing the same shit and it's dumb it's not okay it's not smart and honestly, it's what's the, that behavior is what's going to take me out of the sport if I were to continue to do it. Now, I've gotten a lot better when my coach says, hey, we're not sparring. You've got surgery in two weeks, right? I've, I haven't completely rounded the corner, but I'll ask, hey, can I pick my rounds? Hey, can I go with these lighter people? Can I go with, again, 210 pounds? I'm going to go with the 160-pounder over here that – I know has throttle control and isn't going to go 100% and just try to beat the brakes off of me, right? We'll roll and it's fine and I don't have to put myself in any kind of danger either through wild random movements or when that competitive side starts to uh, yeah. flare up. Well, that that's the thing too is no matter you know how light the round should be going, at some point – it ramps up. It, it, it then becomes a question of, can you pull it back? Uh, of a friend out in um, uh, California, they got their knee blown out basically by a teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, that's always one thing that drives me mad. And I, I, I feel like at our gym, for the most part, we're pretty good at that. We, we take care of each other. We don't go completely ape shit right you know you might get the one occasional person that might go a little rough as i raise my hand (laughs) right but but you know it's not to a point of injury it's like hey whoa 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 hey we're supposed to be going 60 you just took it to a full 90 but there's no injury at a three right though you know there are some people though that exist in some gyms that exist locally that they they think Let's go full clip all the time. Meanwhile, 
Right. The, the <laughs> kind of guy, like, you point at your knee and you say, hey, just, you know, yeah. take it easy on this leg, <laughs> you know, that I got something going on with it. And that's, instead of, I'm going to avoid that, that's the target leg now. Right. Yeah. I've never seen you shoot an outside single on that side before, but now you are on me. Okay. Suddenly thanks. you want to work that? Today's the day, huh? Hmm. Weird. Also, that local gym that will remain unnamed, let's see them at no tournaments. But everybody wants to go full clip. Okay. Not taking that out. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, but, but, yeah, either way it goes, you know, like you said, the, the best thing about or the best thing to do, you know, with injuries is rest them. You got to yeah. let them heal up. And, you know, when the doctors say, you need surgery, you get your second, third opinions. If collectively they all say it, go do it. That was actually the funny part about my injury. So I got I got benched for the tournament that I wanted to go to with that aforementioned uh, uh, you know, Pan Am champion. They, they pulled me in the office. They said, hey, just letting you know you're signed up for ultra heavy right now. And you're about to go up against this guy. So how about we not? So okay, that's that's fair. They said you need to get second and third opinions. So okay, it's fine. Well, as everybody knows, anytime you're going outside of like, especially now in the the post COVID or end of COVID, whatever you want to call it, yeah, our new normal. <laughs> as I want to puke. Least favorite phrase. Yeah. Fuck. Right. Getting a doctor's appointment with any kind of specialist is kind of a lengthy process. So another tournament came up, and we talked about it, and I said, hey, this is the game plan. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull, but I, you know, I want to go and compete. That is my first IBJJF at a blue belt level. I said, I'm, I'm going to go do this. It's okay, right? Well, in that time, I had gotten the appointment. By the time I left, I got the appointment, and then I got my results. Well, at the time, they called me. I said, well, <laughs> talking to Keith, goes, so, you know, what did they say? And I'm like, well, she definitely recommended that I don't do what exactly what I'm about to go and do here in about 30 minutes. However, I'm just going to pull to the other side. We're fine. Um, he goes, all right, we're here now. But I was, again, had I gone to the, I uh, was operating off of the opinion of the other doctor, which was, yeah, everything's fine. You know, your injury, you, you'll, uh, you know, it'll go away. Six, seven, eight months later, ain't nothing gone away. If anything, it's gotten worse. You're like, hmm. You know, the main message is just take care of those injuries because jujitsu can serve you for a long time. However, if you take yourself out for bad decisions, that's nobody's fault but yourself. Your own fault. Yeah. That, and that's, you know, again, the heavy thing to consider is with injuries and with doing this. I mean, we all love it. But is it worth, you know, in 10 years not being able to walk right? Yeah. Is it worth, you know, in 20 years, you know, having to have a hip replacement? Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's... It, it, it sucks because I'm out here, you know, I, I still train, I'm still sparring when I can, and I have to duck all of the hard rounds that are going to really make me better <laughs> because... I can't go 80%, which about the, the highest you should really be going in the room without being in tournament push mode, you know. 
I can't work that A game. I can't go with that guy that I would be closing the bracket out with. And then when it comes to tournament push, i got to avoid the guy anyway because I'm nothing more than a rest round for this guy, and it's my own fault. You know, that's what gets my head to the ego part of that. When when you know you're the rest round, it's Uh like, fuck you. (laughs) There's no rest for you Not today, and then your knee just starts uh, creaking like the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. You're like, nope, no, yeah, today. No, mama raised the bitch. (laughs) And you will be that bitch. (laughs) You hear the knee, it's like, oh, shit. Like, right now, can I just 10 more minutes? 10 more minutes. I promise I'll come in. Um, mama didn't raise a bitch your niece says but didn't she though <laughs> well like oh your mama didn't raise a bitch but guess who's gonna be the bitch today i'm about to break a bitch right um pop, pop. when when you have those rounds or not the rounds but like you know when you're in training and you know you, you, like look you're going in for your knee relax don't fuck your neck up now well, that was like, great. That pop was awesome. Like I'm sure it was. It's <laughs> me like I can't turn. I left. forgive you, mom. <laughs> Damn. Um, but for those rounds when you're like, okay, I know I need to, you know, take some lighter rounds, and you know, one of the heavier, heavier hitters come up to you and ask you to roll. Like, how do you approach that? Because I know for myself, I've been in that position. Where it's like I know I'm not supposed to roll with. X, you know, amount of people or X person because it's going to be a heavier round, but I'm just dumb. <laughs> right. How I've been approaching that lately is uh, it, it really just depends on who it is, right? And almost everybody knows <clears throat> I've made, uh, what I've got going on with my knee because um, at the time I was trying to bowl through everything. I had an issue with my neck where I had a bunch of muscles seized up and I wasn't taking care of that. My knee, my left hip, my right ankle. I mean, at this point, I was just a giant injured lump. And finally, I got pulled out of a Saturday practice because uh, the only way that I could move was to try to go 100%. And I'm trying to kill the person that I'm going with. And he is better than me on a good day. But, you know, I got to be real careful how I play my game with that person in particular. And um, because he was in tournament push and uh, he goes hard to begin with. So uh, I realized that going harder to try to compensate was not the move. I'm not a black belt. I'm not good enough to where I can completely switch the game up and... uh, you know, protect myself all the time. So what I've had to do is I've had to be real uh, picky with the partners, you know, the heavy hitter brown belt who I know on a good day I'm going to survive with is, uh, you know, walks up and says, hey, you want to go? I got to look and say, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the white belt. And, you know, it at least for the first two to three weeks, it sucks. However, you got to take your ego out of it, and I had to really learn to take mine out of it. I'm not perfect at it. There are days where I'm mad at myself, pissed at myself, because no matter how you look at these injuries, we most of the time bring them on ourselves, right? Now, do you get taken out because that one guy decided he was going to knee bar 
the blue belt who has no idea what that is, or the guy who likes to rip heel hooks, or oh god, what else could there be? Uh, arm bars. Arm, arm bars are bars, real, real right? big. The guy has a Kimura locked on. You have no grip. He knows he's got this Kimura, but he still had to tickle the back of your head with your own arm, right? We all have run into those assholes, and you know. But for the most part, the the injury will be avoidable if you handle your training correctly. Yeah, true. It's. Again, the big thing there is proper training and just taking the ego out of there. Um, for you in your regular everyday life, mm-hmm. how has jiu-jitsu like, shaped just kind of your mental just in, in your day-to-day life? As I show Dante the list of questions. Wait, well, I looked at the list and I was like, <laughs> I was like let me kind of – because a lot of it you've already kind of answered. And I was like, well, let me kind of – melded a little bit and I was like ah oh, shit I can't think of words though um, but how has you know jujitsu in your everyday life kind of shaped your, your viewpoint and thinking of things just how you carry on in general well so looking at everything we're going to have to edit the ever loving shit out of this part just to let you know <clears throat> dude I'm uh, already thinking about mentally, how to describe this I'm mentally pre- prepped to spend probably a good portion of Thanksgiving Day editing this. Oh, yeah. We're going to get about, what, an hour's worth of stuff, and there's going to be about 15 minutes worth of usable content. Um, we just stay out of pocket. How, however, uh, and I, I am the gym clown most of the time. For anybody listening that knows me, uh, I'm just that guy. I just stay out of pocket. How am- you've had your moments though where where you've been like wait a minute even I'm not gonna touch that one <laughs> right yeah we got two people in the crazy eighty eight world that like it, it has been made an unofficial rule that these two cannot travel to tournaments together and because they just stay out of pocket they all the time but I'm I'm working my best to make myself put on that list. Uh- <laughs> Uh, as, a, as a coach, I've really actually had to rein that in because there's some shit that I just cannot say to a student and customer, right? Because it's where business meets martial arts meets I'm an asshole. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've really had to temper it back. I still get myself in trouble every once in a while. but I've, I've just kind of reserved myself to, like, only speaking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I speak to Coach Mike every so often. And Wayne once in a while, but otherwise, I try not to converse because I know, I know that I'm going, because I see the fucked up things. I'm just like, there's a joke right there. Yeah, pretty much everybody knows that I'm never speechless. Uh, if I'm if I'm not saying anything, it's it's probably just best that I don't say whatever's in my mind at the time. If I'm um, sitting there too quiet, it's yeah. because I'm I'm picking apart a situation that I'm about to unleash, and it's like... Just, he's too quiet. Just, just walk away. Hey, Dante, how you feeling? Mm-mm, not today, Satan. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, bro. Like, I, I've got a muzzle order right now. Got right. <laughs> I'm on my second strike for the month. It's only the third. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's gonna be a long month. Fuck. Um, but how martial arts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu has affected my day-to-day life? Um, well, 
Uh, honestly, I'm constantly looking into this hobby. It's something that I, I noticed when I was uh, aspiring for bodybuilding. And uh, I again, because I don't do anything casually, uh, one thing that I've the, the sheer amount of time that this occupies within my day that I don't mind using for it is absurd. I mean, I am constantly, if I'm not on the mat, I'm looking up what I'm going to do next. I'm watching some kind of instructional. I'm trying to pick apart something that happened, asking these questions. The uh, mentality, right? I would say that it's definitely calmed me down and uh definitely changed the way that i interact with people on a day-to-day basis right uh probably i would say i keep a higher concentration on being respectful right i mean again it's just we're martial artists first so uh despite what you know we kind of change things up in america uh, but let's say that the, especially at, at Crazy 88, we definitely do a, a pretty good job of uh, mixing that mentality with uh, a love for the sport and also uh, a good team uh, for camaraderie. Um, damn, that one really, really eluded me there for a second. Uh, you know while still being able to cut up with teammates like i mean i've got teammates that i've only met two and a half years ago that are gonna be in my wedding like in the wedding party uh people that you know i see every single day it's some i go to work my schedule breaks down like this i'm at work by six or seven o'clock in the morning i do my job i get home Hopefully somewhere around two thirty, three o'clock, and I try to scarf down some food, and then I go to the gym and I'm coaching for two, two and a half hours every day, depending on whether or not I got adult fundamentals. Because um, I, like I said, I coach the advanced program down at the Severna Park location and uh, juniors fundamentals, so uh, I'm all over the board. By 8 o'clock, I'm starting my training, and that's three and four days a week. I don't notice and don't really miss the, I'd say, like, monotonous free time before I started in jiu-jitsu or before I started coaching. Um, One thing I've noticed is that I'm always moving, and it's always in some type of positive direction for my advancement in the sport. I think with COVID coming up, there was a lot of things that happened with people. But for the most part, I think there were one of two main things. It was either you fall into this, what was me? And I, I know the argument is, you know, people handle things like this differently. And I'm not poking or attacking anyone for that. Because I was one of those. When COVID happened, it slowed me down. Yeah. Because 
I mean, I was training all the time or coaching all the time. And then, and then family, you know, I was always somewhere. And once COVID hit, it was like, holy shit, I can slow down for a minute. Let me take a break. And then I liked that break. Yeah. I was like, yo, I enjoy sitting (coughs) and watching a movie with my wife. Cause, Cause she wasn't working for, um, a few months into that, so it was like every night, let's sit down and watch a movie together. We watch a lot of bad horror movies. Oh yeah, a lot of really shitty horror movies. Oh yeah, Netflix is full. Some of the worst. No, we have Shutter. Oh <laughs> so, no. So we were watching like like we had to read subtitles for a oh, lot of these like Indonesian no. horror movies. Like, don't know what so it is tonight. Bad. <laughs> but that's what we're watching. But you know, and then the other side of that coin though too is like you can take your time, you know, away in. Like, I'm gonna work on me, and yeah. not just work on me, but it's like don't let the discipline uh, slip. Yeah, it's you know, and like you said, the monotonous free time that that becomes a weird thing too. Because uh, you know, I've had friends that have tried to get to come into jujitsu, and I think that's one thing that they weren't ready for. Like right. Looking as like, well, wait a minute, I gotta devote all my time to this. Like, no, you don't have to devote all your time. Like trying to like, it's almost like no. I mean, you don't look at it as like devoting all your time to it. What you're looking at is you're devoting your time to something you enjoy. Right. Because I know for me, when I came in, all my stuff started turning to that. It's like I'm always at the gym. I'm always looking at videos. I'm always talking with someone from the gym. And yeah. then it wasn't a matter of like, oh, all my time is being devoted to jujitsu as much as it was my time is now being spent with people who have a similar. Right, like minded individuals. Yeah. I found a hive of people that, you know, no matter how you fall politically, um, ideologically, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Every. Every walk of life, if you enjoy jujitsu, right, we can hang out. Yeah. We can talk. We can have hour-long conversations. And it's actually kind of funny if you think about it. The number of teammates that you know little to nothing about their personal life, but you've spent hours, weeks on the mat with, if you were to calculate actual time, you've been, you know, basically face-to-face breathing, breathing sweating, bleeding. Yeah. All over top of one another. You might not know that person's wife's name. You might not know. I, I know that. I do. <laughs> There's a lot of teammates. It's like, <laughs> I love them to death. It's like, I don't know shit about this person. But, yeah, like, we, we, like, that's one of my, like, gauges with people, though, too. It's like, when I meet, like, my, my friend, you know, whenever she's dating someone new, it's like, oh, I'm dating this guy. I'm like, oh, cool. My first thought was like, so uh, is there a backyard or something? Like somewhere that we could wrestle? Right. I, I, I need to know this guy. Because <laughs> that's how I get to know people now is let's let's grapple. Right. Because it, it tells you a lot about a person, like how they handle pressure. Um, if if they're, you know, a, what's I don't want to say dirty fighter, but, you know, it's like, are they respectable? Yeah. You Your jiu-jitsu is definitely going to reflect who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Um which is kind of funny because then if, if you ask most people how they feel about their jujitsu, they don't like it, but uh, or they don't like how it looks. Well, dude, how do you feel about yourself? <laughs> I, over that that period away with the gym shut down, we recorded some of our matches, Mark and I, and looking back, I mean, they got better as time went on. But I remember oh, yeah. looking, it was like, oh my god, like. I, 
I have a really hard time watching myself roll um, oh, no, because how I feel I look gross. when I roll is much, much, much less clunky. I mean, I am just not graceful at all. Kind of like a uh, bowl in a china shop. Oh, yeah, just not graceful at all. Just yeah. bashing around, and it it feels a lot prettier than it is. I mean... I go back and look at the video, and I'm just like, "That's me, y'all. Y'all endorse this? This? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just like when people say they don't like to hear themselves, like on on audio. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's my voice. It's, like, it's the same thing with video too. Right. Actors that can't watch their own movies. I'm like, I mean, I guess that's that's fair. Yeah. Like, kind of narcissistic if you're just like, yeah, I look so good out here. Hey, I know some people I record Would with. Would you do me? I do. <laughs> I do me hard. (laughs) I used to listen to all every podcast I was on. Like if I'm a guest on someone's show, I would always go like back and listen to it. Now it's at a point where I was like, I don't need the bitch. I was there. Right. I I remember what I said. It was cringe the first time. (laughs) Oh, and then there's some shows I know. Like I have control here, so I can edit out when I sound shitty. But when I'm on other people's shows, I can't edit that. So I definitely don't go back and listen because I know I was just recently on. Nerd Rage Radio, mm-hmm. and I was saying some shit, and I was just like, I'm not even gonna go back, because, <laughs> like, what can I do? I said some fucked up shit. That's life. Oh well, fuck it. Why are we here now? Like, yep, you know, that's why I got my own show, so I can edit that shit out. Go back and say, hey man, so Detroit sucks. I cry every night. Don't want to tell people I cry every night, but I do. Um, so I guess uh, with the training that you do. Uh, you know, kind of up to this point, mm-hmm. it's just more of a uh, kind of obs- watch and observe type mm-hmm. style for the most part. Uh, yeah, no, not really. So that's well, that's what I'm be. saying. So it should be there. It really just depends on what it is, especially being that it's my knee and uh, it isn't painful all the time it's kind of misleading um the while rolling hasn't necessarily been the issue the biggest problem is that you know i'll go and i'll go full tilt and i'm trying to push these people off of me or like we were working x guard so i'm trying to push these people out um or half guard right i got these people laying on my knee trying to shin cut out and it's fine it's wonderful it's great and I don't feel it until the next day when I can barely walk. What well, a problem is, I got to go fix a unit at a data center, uh, and I got to carry an eighty-pound tool bag. Like it didn't feel great to begin with, uh, and the swelling that I get from uh, just blasting through—it's it's actually kind of inconsistent pain, which is interesting. Uh, that's a long rant on that. However, <laughs> uh, the uh, it just really depends on what it is, what we're working, right? If I can comfortably do the move and drill the move, uh, I will. If not, I'm, I'm constantly drilling right now. Um, a big thing that I'm picking up on is I'm just trying to roll through every fundamental inst- instructional that I can and just drill it until it makes sense. Just picking up as much as I possibly can for either what I'm teaching the kids or what I'm teaching the adults in the fundamental class. Um, and, uh, 
rolling as best as I can. I just pick my rounds and, you know, uh, I definitely end up making a habit of picking people who are not as good as me that I can really control the pace and control the, the setting that we spar in and the positions that we go to, um, which is kind of nice because, I mean, as somebody who has to roll with smaller people all the time, like I, I like to think I have a pretty good sense of throttle control and, yeah. you know, I can back it off as, you know, as much as I need to for some of the smaller people I end up having to roll with, like the girls in the class or like some of the bigger teens that we have in uh, Keith's advanced class and... Uh, you know, I, I can't go 210 pounds full tilt and shouldn't go 210 pounds full tilt. What's the point? And they don't get anything out of it. I don't get anything out of it, you know, yeah. except to prove that I'm a man. You know, <laughs> that really, that really makes me feel better. It makes them feel better. And you go home later at night, look yourself in the mirror like, yeah, <laughs> I did that. I beat right. that 12 year old's ass. <laughs> right. You know, uh, <laughs> When I'm older and they're, you know, 18 to 21 years old sitting at purple or brown belt and they're beating the absolute shit out of me, I get to look back and go, yep, this is my fault. I did this. <laughs> They'll be beating your ass like, you did this to yourself, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Like, you don't remember me, do you? I see you every fucking day. No, I definitely, it's definitely a lot lighter. I was training six days a week, uh, two a days when I could, because again, you know, Work doesn't always allow me to hit the morning glass, but I was training as much as possible, uh, drilling whenever I can get time and somebody else who wanted to. Uh, I've really had to scale that back uh, as much as I didn't want to. Uh, I've definitely noticed positive effects. Training with an injury is something that's inevitable for everybody because... You are going to get hurt. It's going to happen. You're going to strain something. You're going to sprain something. You guys are going to fall weird. You're going to spike your shoulder when somebody sweeps you. Like, just dumb things happen. We don't, aren't always as coordinated as we think we are. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, if you're not getting it, if you don't run into an injury of some sort, then are you really even training, like, hard enough? I don't want to say hard enough, but, you know, are you, are you exerting yourself? Are you putting in the effort and taking risk because <clears throat> that becomes a thing too you know just out there training and not really risking anything or putting yourself in a position to really you know take a loss you know there's some people that will only roll with people that they know this isn't going to be anything where i'm going to gain anything as far as you know what i'm doing wrong and i'm also you know uh, you know, I'm not going to look bad. Sometimes it's okay to look bad. I mean, that's how you learn. Like, when, when you're fucking up, it's like, okay, I know not to do that again. You know, I know, you know, not to get stuck, you know, underneath. So like, I'm going for deep half on a, you know, near 300-pound person. Probably not a good idea. Right, not the greatest. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you can try. Right. There's nothing wrong with trying, except for in that situation, it is very wrong. Way to, to call try. me out, because I do that all the time. No, they, uh... <laughs> Well, I, we, I do it too. I always think to myself, I can get right underneath. Oh, fuck. He's sitting on my face. Heading in a deep half on a 260-pound black belt that is his main game is deep half. I'm just like really diving into heavy coverage here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm mean, definitely learning how to uh, do this in a way 
that takes my ego out of it. You know, I mean, we we always say, you know, leave it at the door. We don't. Not all of us. Most of us don't. At some point in time, it sneaks its way back in. Yeah. Um, you know, the the thing that you got to remember is if you're rolling hurt, that's fine. And they beat on you. That's fine. The white belt catches you, right? Somebody who has absolutely no business beating you or being in a match with you, yada, yada, yada. One, it's training. You're a, it's a training partner. So you're you not, shouldn't be going 100% tournament mode anyway. You're not getting a medal. Right. Nobody's getting a medal for this. And uh, really, and if you're the, you're the upper belt, you're fighting hurt. You know, you're supposed to be the example. So when I'm just, when I'm sitting there in the bottom of half guard and these guys are pushing on my face, doing everything else, smashing into me, and I'm doing everything I can to get out, I just remember that, you know, yes, I'm hurting now and I'm only fighting with one and a half legs and, you know, this sucks and they're beating me. But, you know, when I come back, they're going to figure out exactly what it was and I say that and they're just going to continue to beat on me. But... Eh. That's how we learn. That's right. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up there. Uh, Ronnie, thank you for doing this. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I actually been wanting to get you on here for a while, but I was just trying to figure out. I was like, I want to do another roundtable thing. I did one with uh, you know a bunch of female grapplers, and I was trying to set up one with male grapplers, but <coughs> just I'm like I'm not the best time manager. Right, an organizer of things. Contrary to what people might want to believe, yeah, I don't organize shit at all very well. I, I, I will set something up once and leave it, and it, it, there's no organization to that any further. And usually, setting that up takes me months. Um, but I'm glad we finally got to sit down and do this. Um, got to do it again. This time, talk talk some bigger shit. Oh yeah, like, like oh, probably to the point where it's like this is we're going to probably talk for an hour and a half, two hours, and probably can only use thirty minutes of it. Type type. I love bullshit. it. But um, got any shout outs or mentions that you want to throw in there? I always ask everybody this, and a lot of people are like, no, nah, I ain't got nothing. But I mean, everybody's got something. Um, big shout outs to my coaches Julius Park and Keith Sabula. I mean. They're helping me out constantly, taking the time to help me become a better coach and help me become a better martial artist and further my aspirations. And they take a lot of time that they don't necessarily have to or, uh, you know, I greatly appreciate it. But And everybody at Crazy 88 that helped me get better on a day-to-day basis. I agree with that completely. I mean... To some degree, I'm in that boat too. And you know, shout out to you as one of again. I come to the fundamentals fundamentals classes, and you're one of my coaches. He's not just a teammate; he's also a coach. Oh, um, so you know, big shout out to you and thank you uh, for everything that you do. For everyone that's listening, as always, thanks for listening. Love you guys. Appreciate it all. I get nervous every time I turn these microphones on and record, and you know. You guys make it make it easy once once the ball gets rolling. So thank you everybody who's listening. As always, big shout out to Armbar Attic, Eric and Allie out there in Denver. You know, doing fun things with their their t shirt line. So go check out the website Armbar 
armbaraddict.com or check them out on Instagram as well under the same name. Great kids. Um, also, a big shout out to Compton Social Club. That's our other podcast that we do here in this basement. Uh, it's my buddy Steve and I. I guess we review beers now. That's uh, apparently we got a lot of breweries following us. So I guess that's what the podcast is. It was really just us talking shit. But now, of course, <laughs> <laughs> like 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 one of the like parts of the show is called Jackass of the Week. <laughs> so, yes, like that. That's it was just a shit talking show. Now it seems like it's actually turned into something, and we've got some momentum. So <clears throat> big shout out to them. And if anyone who's listening to this listens to that, thank you. Appreciate you over there too. I don't think we really do thank yous over there. We just say good soup and then turn off the microphone. Good soup. Um, and you know, last last big shout out always Nerd Rage Radio, uh, Bobby, Chris, Joe. Uh, I was on there recently, so if you want to hear me talk some more shit, go check them out and be on the lookout in January doing another show called So You Like Horror. It's going to be a horror movie podcast. Uh, done a little bit better than the. October ones that we did here are going to have a little bit more care added to it and love. So, um, you know, if you've got anything to say to me, reach out to me, Ultimate Podcast on Instagram, bjj.wiki on Instagram. Questions, concerns, you can find me there. If you want to be on the show, reach out to me. I'm friendly. I'll have anyone on. I have Ronnie on. So, obviously, I'll have anyone on. Scraping <laughs> the bottom of the barrel over here. But no, uh, thank you all. And as always, you guys keep listening and I'll keep making the show. Thank you all and bye. They Now let me see his song.